0: You're listening to the Dungeons, Dragons and Psychology Podcast. Today we're diving into a fascinating topic, the changing acceptance of gamer and nerd culture from the early days of D&D to now. So join me as we embark on a nostalgic journey through time to explore how society's perceptions of games, geeks, and all things nerdy has transformed over the years and find out what the main reasons for the shift from Satan's game to a celebrated and mainstream piece of culture are. I'm Robert Walker, author of Session Zero, the DMG to writing great campaigns in any system. And this is my show where I teach collaborative storytellers how to have great campaigns using psychology. And before we jump into the main topic today, I want to take just a moment and give a shout out to our first patron, Nancy, and she comes to us from Corpus Christi. And what I think I'm going to do, which will be really kind of fun, is for all of the elder brain uh, cyclothids who become members of our patron is I'm going to look at the area that they come from and find something from their local area to use in a game uh, that you could put into your RPG story. And there in Corpus, there is the wonderful Selena monument to the amazing musician. And I think that would be a really cool thing to have in a D&D game where if you come upon a city that has a very large epitaph and statue and beautiful homage being paid to a famous bard of the area and perhaps your players could become involved in that bard's story somehow perhaps seeking out a lost song or a lost book of music that was left behind anyways just food for thought so thank you very much for your support and if you're interested please join our patreon for your own shout out on this show now let's head on to the main topic In the early days of D&D, game and nerd culture were often seen as niche and fringe interests. Playing tabletop role-playing games like D&D or even being passionate about science fiction or comic books or video games carried a certain stigma. The mainstream perception often portrayed these hobbies as a domain of the socially awkward individuals or outcasts. In fact, in the early years of D&D, the game found itself embroiled in a controversy that would become known as the Satanic Panic. This phenomenon, which gained momentum in the 1980s, was a moral panic centered around the perceived dangers of role-playing games like D&D, and it stemmed from a fear that playing these games could lead players, particularly young people, into Satanic worship or occult practices and criminal behavior. The satanic panic surrounding D&D was fueled by several factors. Firstly, the game's use of fantasy elements such as magic, supernatural creatures. These things sparked concern among conservative religious groups who believed that engaging with these themes would promote occultism and the worship of demonic entities. And this fear was further exacerbated by misunderstandings and misinformation about the game's content and gameplay. Secondly, sensationalist media coverage contributed to this uh, hysteria. News stories and TV segments sensationalized alleged links between D&D and real-world crimes or incidents, often portraying the game as dangerous and a gateway to the occult. So these exaggerated reports were lacking in evidence or context, But they amplified the anxiety surrounding D&D and solidified the perception of it as a morally corrupting influence. And this uh, panic really reached its peak with high-profile cases like the tragic death of Dame- James Dallas Egbert in 1979. He was a college student and avid DD player. He disappeared, and it led to unfounded rumors that his involvement in the game had somehow uh, somehow contributed to his demise. These events further fueled concern about the potential dangers of d d and led to increased scrutiny and condemnation. Ultimately, the satanic panic surrounding D&D had some far-reaching consequences. The game faced backlash with many schools and religious institutions banning or discouraging its play. Parents were concerned about the supposed psychological and spiritual risks associated with the game and actively would discourage or forbid their children from engaging with the game. However, as time passed, critical examination and research debunked many of the claims made during the satanic panic phase, and multiple studies failed to establish any direct link between playing D&D and harmful behavior or occult practices. If you've listened to the episode of this show with John Eric Welker, you'll realize and you'll be aware that further studies has actually shown much the opposite, the great benefits of D and D that has been shown through actual scientific research and study. So the controversy gradually subsided and public perception began to shift. Recognizing that D&D was simply a creative and imaginative form of entertainment rather than some gateway into satanic worship or criminal activity. I think looking back, the satanic panic surrounding uh, role-playing games serves as a cautionary tale about the dangers of moral panics and the impact of misinformation. It underscores the importance of critical thinking, informed decisions, and discussions, and having accurate representations when evaluating the potential risks associated with pop culture phenomenons. Today, D&D has not only regained its popularity, but it has also become widely recognized as a game that fosters creativity and problem solving and teamwork and imaginative storytelling and now is embraced by many universities. And there are many D&D clubs throughout uh, elementaries and high schools and middle schools throughout the world you fast forward to the present and we find ourselves in a world where the game culture and nerd culture have experienced a remarkable shift in acceptance where once niche interests have become significant elements of mainstream entertainment influencing everything from movies and television shows to fashion and even technology so how did this transformation occur what were the key factors that contributed to the changing perception of gamer and nerd culture. We're going to start by examining the impact of technological advancements. The advent of video games, home computers, and the internet all played a vital role in bringing game and nerd culture into the limelight as technology advanced. And gaming became more accessible and immersive, it captured the attention of a much broader audience, which helped dismantle the stereotypes associated with engaging in those hobbies. It's hard to hold that stereotype when, when more and more and more people are embracing and enjoying uh, the valuable aspects of, of gameplay and uh, interacting with your friends in such a fashion. Aside from technology embracing it, another influential factor was the rise of popular media that embraced and celebrated geek culture. TV shows like The Big Bang Theory and movies based on comic books or fantasy novels and science fiction— Portraying characters with nerdy interests in a positive and relatable light, this mainstream representation helped humanize and normalize game and nerd culture, fostering an acceptance and understanding broadly. Furthermore, the emergence of conventions, things like Comic-Con or Gen Con provided dedicated spaces for fans to come together and celebrate these shared passions. These gatherings became a cultural phenomenon, attracting attendees from all walks of life and showcasing the diversity within the gamer and nerd culture. The sense of community and camaraderie formed at these events further contributed to the growing acceptance of these hobbies. And finally... The influence of the younger generation in this cannot be understated. Millennials and Gen Z individuals who grew up with video games and the internet as integral parts of their lives brought their enthusiasm and passion for games into adulthood. As they entered various industries, their perspective and interest began shaping popular culture. It influenced the acceptance and integration of these hobbies into the mainstream. And today we find ourselves in a world where Game and nerd culture are celebrated, embraced, and even commercialized on a massive scale. From the explosion of esports to the record-breaking success of superhero and fantasy movies, the impact of this culture has become undeniable. But even with its newfound acceptance, challenges and stereotypes can still persist, especially those that are held from those early years about these sort of things and fantasy being harmful. So what does the future hold for game and nerd culture and how will it continue to evolve from here? Frankly, I think the future of nerd culture and role-playing games is incredibly promising with several current trends indicating their continued growth and evolution for example mainstream acceptance i mean nerd culture including tabletop role-playing games has already achieved significant mainstream acceptance but that trend is likely to continue as more people embrace the imaginative and immersive experiences that ttrpgs offer and the stigma surrounding geek culture continues to diminish RPGs will become even more widely embraced, attracting new players from more diverse backgrounds, and with further technological advancements, RPGs have always been influenced by technology, and this will continue with the integration of virtual reality, augmented reality, and artificial intelligence. It will be used to enhance the gameplay experience, making it more immersive and more dynamic. Advancements could allow players to engage with role-playing games in new ways that we don't even think about right now, but it'll blur the boundaries between the real and virtual worlds. The other thing we can look forward to is further inclusivity and representation. There has been a push for this in nerd culture, and that has been profoundly affecting tabletop role-playing games. We're seeing a greater emphasis on diverse characters, narratives, and settings, and cultural backgrounds with new identities and experiences, and role-playing games... As they become more inclusive spaces, welcoming players from all backgrounds and providing opportunities for everyone to see themselves represented in the games that they play, the game will only become more culturally rich with more stories to tell and more things to draw upon that haven't been part of the game so far because it's been cornered in the market by sort of one sort of you know european background uh, of of fantasy storytelling but there's so many other cultural myths and legends and things out there that are going to continue to enrich and expand the games that you get to play in Uh, cross-media integration will increasingly uh, integrate tabletop games with other forms of media, possibly including uh, movies, uh, TV shows, literature. We can expect to see more transmedia storytelling where narratives could unfold across multiple platforms, allowing players to engage with their favorite role-playing game worlds through other mediums. Um, And innovation is going to keep happening like we we've not ever stopped on that it's going to keep happening there's a rich history of innovation in role-playing games and this is going to continue in the future game designers and developers will continue to experiment with new mechanics narrative structures and adding technology into the storytelling the spirit of innovation should drive the evolution of role-playing games ensuring that they remain dynamic and engaging and relevant to changing Player preferences. I think the future of nerd culture and role playing games is bright as mainstream acceptance has grown and technological advances continue to reshape the experience, and we have all this inclusivity and representation becoming paramount social gameplay is thriving in a way that it never has before, and I believe that trend is going to continue uh, to find growth and evolution, making these games more accessible and immersive and engaging for players of all backgrounds, and I'm super excited about that. So with that, let's go ahead and head over to Tricks of the Trade. For Tricks of the Trade today, I thought it would be fun to give you a few ideas for settings for your homebrew campaign and ideas that are a little bit out of the norm in terms of they're not just your standard, typical fantasy world. Uh, So the first idea would be to play in a world without magic. I mean, one of the rules of D&D is that magic is real and commonplace and no one bats an eye. Uh, When spell casting happens, when you see that sort of clerical magic or resurrection, things like this. But imagine playing a game where this wasn't the case. If your campaign changed that rule and in a setting magic had been slowly disappearing. So you might find clerics that no longer have a connection to their deity and can no longer cure. So they're just sort of espousing the beliefs of their religion, uh, sort of more like our modern world um thing no no miracles any longer they're just sort of uh, speaking to the words of god so to speak uh, and and wizards are more just like esoteric scholars uh without any access to their spells any longer it might be an interesting sort of take on things and what sort of characters would your players play in a world where magic was no longer part of it or a diminishing part of it the next idea would be to play in a post-apocalyptic setting. Uh, So if you can imagine that if any of the heroes of your previous campaigns or these cataclysmic world-ending adventures that your characters normally stop as part of a campaign, well, what if those heroes had failed? What would the world look like? Imagine if... Tiamat had succeeded in coming back and enslaving all the people to dragons, or if giants took control of the land and uh, were never reunited under the Storm King. Or imagine if you're in Faerun and Spell Plague had not ever been stopped and it had continued to burn through Faerun, reshaping the land even more than it did, and maybe even burning out the weave entirely, or making most magic wild magic uh, and. Everything that you know about it would be different, sort of like a Fallout meets d d sort of setting. How would the world react? What new currency would there be? Which gods would still be worshipped in a setting like that? And uh, the final idea is uh, either nature's revenge or uh, a blighted world where the party is either working to help nature in a blighted world that is sort of pushed it away and is destroying the natural world or if nature has basically become fed up with its encroachment and uh druids maybe rise up against the large cities, denouncing them and bringing on full on war of wolves and bears and tigers and all sorts of creatures, uh, leaving cities in ruins covered in vines and and trees, and letting the natural take back over. These are just a few ideas. Feel free to use them. There's obviously plenty more out there, uh, but I just thought they might be kind of fun and interesting to incorporate into your own games. Use them as you will. And now let's head over to our knowledge check. For our knowledge check today, we're going to be looking at a uh, post from DiceBreaker.com, and this comes from Olivia Kennedy on June 9th. 2022 and this post is called how dungeons and dragons became a part of the 1980s satanic panic and it gives some really interesting insights into the things that were playing in the world that added to the hysteria and the craze over D being part of the satanic panic and one of the things that is brought to attention is that there was a misunderstanding uh based on basically media reporting, that as d was becoming popular, serial killers were also becoming more frequent, That and these two things were correlated so that they must be causal. I mean, we know through statistics and we know through scientific research that a correlation does not imply causality, um, so that is always something to keep in mind. But at the time, it was pretty easy to make those connections because a lot of people didn't have that information at their fingertips or know that. I mean, knowing that now is sort of hindsight bias. We know that correlation does not imply causality. But what we really actually found out about that, and she points it out in the article, is that there wasn't actually a rise in serial killers between the, the time of d release. It was just a rise in the media coverage of serial killers. So while people were thinking it was more of a problem than it used to be, there was actually no change in it. It was just being reported more because of changes in technology and the things that drove uh, media attention. Uh, one of the things that I specifically remember was the pamphlets that used to go around uh, extolling the dangers of Dungeons and Dragons. And these were often passed out by various church organizations or things like that. And I remember when I was uh, in my teen years working at a restaurant, I actually had one delivered to me. And it was that classic one with, uh, I don't know if you've all seen it, but uh, Black uh, Black Leaf, the thief. Um, There's this basically a comic strip of a group playing d d where the DM declares the thief Blackleaf dead from not succeeding on her poison check. And then the player playing the thief says, no, now my character dies, I'm going to die. And she begs not to quit the game, and the the DM and the other players basically said, no, your character's dead, you don't exist to us anymore. The player then goes home and commits suicide. And this pamphlet was passed around to people as basically evidence of why D&D was dangerous. And what we know from actual research, if you remember from having John Eric Welker on the show, is that there's actually a lower rate of suicide amongst those who engage in role-playing games than there is amongst the general uh, community. So that is another thing to just like, it was exacerbating uh, the issue and it was making a lot of hysteria out of something that was fake. Basically, the claims were never founded, evidence and accusations. uh, You know, there were talk about the book giving uh, proper methods to cast spells so that uh, people would have dark and evil magic or turn into witches uh, or all sorts of manner of things. And this article does a wonderful job of of going into all of that and explaining that. I will put the link in the show notes. Um, they also talk about how author Rona Jaff wrote the book called uh, Mazes and Monsters based on what happened to uh, – James Dallas Egbert III, who we already talked about early in the episode, and it was even turned into a film starring a young Tom Hanks, which is quite interesting. Uh, But all these things played into the panic surrounding it, and a lot of the concerns over D&D were focused on this idea that it was able to influence young people making them unable to be able to discern fantasy from reality. So give the article a read. There's also a video involved with it. They have a uh, a screen clip of the pamphlet comic that I was discussing in there. Really interesting information. If you want to check it out, check it out. So look in the show notes for that. Also, I do want to remind you that our Patreon is now live. And uh, if you join the Elder Brain tier as a uh, elder brain cyclothid, then you will get a copy of my book, Session Zero, autographed and emailed directly to you. Uh, So check that out. You can find the link for that on the support, support the show link in the episode notes as always we love your ratings and reviews on Apple podcasts and Spotify and wherever you listen to your podcasts. those things do more than anything else for getting the show to spread and become available to others uh, by putting them higher in the search results and giving them greater SEO and all of that stuff so thank you for your help on all of that if you can't be a patron please at least support the show by giving us a rating or review as always Uh, We will be back next week. And until then, we'll see you next session. Making them unable to be able to discern fantasy from reality.